and welcome to episode 13 of Salad Cast. I'm sorry, Ollie and Glyn as always. How are you doing, Glyn? Um, I'm not feeling great, Ollie. I think that this season has driven me to drink finally, and so after a night out last night and just uh, recording this at 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm not feeling the freshest, and uh, yeah, a little bit miffed about losing again, so um, yeah, don't, don't quite know how this one's going to go, mate. Yeah, it just feels like um, we are... Um yeah, re- potentially at risk of repeating ourselves. Um, there's a lot of repeating um, fans saying the same things online. So, yes, um, let's let's fly into this podcast and let's go into the the meat of it. And then, yeah, let's, let's see what we can pull out of this game. Morning with the corner towards the far post. So, um, Shrewsbury Town nil, Sunderland two, two second half goals, one by Beckles and one by O'Neill. And the second half gave Sunderland the all three points. Um, the attendance was um, quite strong. Um, it was over 9,000, um, supported by um, a, um, a strong um, attendance from Sunderland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. It was it was good atmosphere in there, wasn't it? I think it was the highest crowd we've had since, obviously, the playoff semi-final last year. Um, but, you know, it's up there in the top 10 home crowds that we've had in terms of New Meadow. So, yeah, it was good atmosphere, I thought. Yeah, no, it was a good atmosphere. Um, in this, uh, After they'd kind of got their, sec- their first goal, uh, I would say that Sunderland fans weren't, in the first half, weren't overly impressive. They didn't really make much noise. No. Um, it took, took them to score a few goals and to get them going. Um, but as is life, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's funny because I said like they're on the last podcast, they're sort of enjoying this season, like their conference season. You could sort of see the sort of holiday air of them. You know, there was you know blokes with no shirts on and all the Sunderland shirts. You know, they pretty much everyone has a Sunderland shirt on, don't they? Who travels away, um, and they were certainly having a good time of it. And uh, I believe that they sort of drank out some of the pubs in the town centre, which they're threatening to do. So. Fair play to them. But as I say, it's good that they brought a lot. But you have to say, considering where we are and everything that's gone on this season, to get that many town fans in there was pretty remarkable, I thought, Ollie. Yeah, it brought a few out of the woodwork, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, maybe they thought they'd come and see uh, just maybe a big game atmosphere. Mm. Obviously, you don't just go for the football, do you? You go for the atmosphere as well. Very true, very true. But yeah, yeah. left disappointed. So, <laughs> yeah, so we um, normally say this in the intro. So obviously, I wasn't actually in at the West End for this game. Yeah. And I was sitting in the posh seats. And so I got offered um, a ticket into the uh, into the Sovereign Suite. So we met there, had a pint before the game. I met with Nathan, um, his father-in-law, Brian, and one of Nathan's um, a friend who they kind of made through the football called Pete okay. it's quite funny um, it's quite funny chatting to them um, Pete and Pete was saying and was asking about when we're doing the conference um, pod and he calls it the grand day out yeah brilliant so he calls the conference playoff finals the grand day out so <laughs> yeah it was very funny chatting to those guys and yeah just kind of having a, a good chat with them and yeah it was um, interesting being in, in that side but I tell you what I wouldn't want to sit there all the time the sun was horrendous yeah it uh, is odd uh, isn't it that they put that, yeah. that posh stand with the sun in their eyes it's, looking back whoever designed that must have been a bit odd but I'm interested yeah. as we go on Ollie to, how close were you to say the dugout I was pretty close. I was like, not I was on the Sunderland side of the dugout. Okay, uh, but I could I obviously got a sense of what was going on in that area. So yeah, I'll bring mm. that into the pod as well as we go in. Cool, that'd be good to know. Cool. So um, team um, team was back to our normal four three three after a few alterations in the last few weeks. Um, we had Coleman in goal, Emmanuel Waterfall, Sadler Beckles, our normal back four. Um, Grant was back. Um, Lauren and Doherty midfield. Um, so Norburn was dropped. And then we had Wall injured in the week. And Angle, underperforming Angle, was up front. <laughs> and um, his main man, the shop, was in Nando's. He wasn't um, so even he in wasn't the squad. Yeah. No, he wasn't even in the squad. So, again, Askey's post-match comments are basically just have no 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 connection to anything you watch, um, again, um, which is just very odd. I think that's part of the frustration you get from this game. That mm. 
his comments have no relation to the kind of reality, um, oh God. which I think makes people a bit frustrated. So while obviously we did expect to lose this game, I think it's kind of the context and the story and the drama around it which just keeps that frustration boiling. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the narrative of the game, how it went, you know, considering we'll get to it as we go through it now, good first half, second half, about poor second half. You know, that narrative isn't a new thing this season, is it? We've, we've thrown in some very poor second half performances uh, or first half performances, you know, a forty five minutes here or there, we've just not been at the races, and those are the forty five minutes that are costing us games. Um, and you know, well, I, I come to my summer at the end, which is, you know, you can do well for forty five minutes and not do well for the next forty five minutes, and it kind of means that you didn't do well. It doesn't mean you did. Yeah, well for it's kind minutes. of a boring story. Isn't <laughs> yeah, it, so minutes thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll sort of summarise that at the end. But um, yeah, I haven't heard. Obviously, you were over there. I was still in my seat in the West Stand, so didn't have some guy two rows behind me moaning the whole game Ollie because you weren't there for once um only kidding um but yeah I was there with the lads as usual um and then as I say we went out afterwards so I haven't really seen any of I haven't really seen any of what the sort of fans reaction has been other than a few oh, bits okay. on Twitter and I haven't even seen um Askey's comments post-match so you'll have to take the, the heavy lifting on that Ollie but for me it's <laughs> nice to be able to do a pod this week just off the basis of me having watched the game and not you know been te- to sort of seen anything else really what people are saying so um, yeah, be yeah your, be raw, your raw kind of thoughts yeah <laughs> which was it was crap cool. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so the, the the game kind of started with Sunderland pretty much camped in our um in our box yeah and uh, first five minutes was quite odd it's quite odd to start to the game um they just seem to kick off and then all of a sudden they're having a huge succession of corners um, but we managed to ride that kind of that section out quite well. I didn't, they didn't really have any huge efforts um, no. in that kind of um, bit of pressure. We did well. Um, yeah, got a, got a few corners, didn't they? Which we headed away and cleared just at the right times. And um, it's it's a strange one, but I, you know, I thought that the the way that we opened that period and, and then we sort of grew into the game was quite impressive actually in that first half. Um, and a lot of that was built by the way that our defence was. I think there was two good things about it. It was really good pressing, which we'll probably come to when we talk about the attacking play. But I think you have to give the defenders credit in the first half for the platform they built because Waterfall and Sadler particularly were obviously very worried about that. The Madger, who's the top goal scorer in League One, isn't he? I think or he's certainly got nine goals and doing very well this season. They didn't give him an inch to breathe. They they literally were on him every single time he went to take a touch, and also Jerome Sinclair as well. So just being able to, being able to break things up quicker in the defence meant that we could transition into attacks better and then you know keep our press on in other places so actually was kind of it was one of my points from the game really I think that sometimes we've been looking at Sadler and Waterfall and worrying about their pace and the problems that they've got but it's sometimes in situations in a game like that against good players they can actually provide a, still provide a good platform and I think that they deserved a fair bit of credit in the game um, and that was noticeable in that in that first five minutes when they were really at us and they stood very firm yeah they did um, they they threatened but I would say um, contrary to that I would say that they didn't threaten in a way that would um, kind of pull out the weaknesses in Sadler and Waterfall. Yeah, yeah, they didn't run at them, did they? So there was quite a few crosses and stuff and quite a few headers, yep. um, which obviously is, is kind of um, bread and, you know, it's simple for Waterfall. He's going always gonna, he's always going to win that battle. Um, so, yes, but then at the same time, they didn't score. Um, you know, we, we were dominant in this period. And so while it wasn't a super, super performance, um, yeah, you've got to give them credit. We didn't concede. Um, and we didn't really look like conceding either. Um, however... I don't know. I'm reading a few comments um, as we kind of get ready for the pod this morning. Um, I found a few articles online, and the, um, the Sunderland was saying they had quite a few players out injured, yeah. so it wasn't their full their full strength team. 
Yeah, Max Power was suspended as well. We talked about that last week, didn't we? He's one of their better players. Um, or I talked about it on the Sunderland podcast actually that I went on this week and did did an interview with. And they they say Max Power has been one of their better players this season, but unfortunately he's been suspended twice and had two red cards, so he was out. Um, they were missing Brian Oviedo as well. I think he was one of the guys that was injured, so they had a few players out. But I mean, yeah. you know, talking at, looking at Sunderland, as the game kind of went on in that first half, I thought. They're not. They're not that good, you know. No, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting how they were playing as well. I haven't seen a team play this kind of four-two-four kind of classic Man United Alex Ferguson in their heyday. Yeah. So they were playing. Um, they're playing back four, four backs who would push on a bit, two central midfielders, and then basically the two wingers, uh, McGreedy and the guy on the right, I can't remember his name, was basically playing as like almost just like a straight line up front, weren't they? And sometimes we even had one of the central midfielders bomb it on, so they only had one player in midfield and almost like five in attack, and yeah, they certainly came for the win. You can't say that, um, you can't, um, their manager certainly came for the three points. Oh, definitely, it? yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I'm not sure whether that's a tactic that'll work that well in League One, in all honesty. Um, you'd think they'd blow teams away with it, but it's, they certainly, they, I think that they that tactic gives League One teams more opportunity to maybe attack Sunderland than they probably should have if they played a bit more yeah. of a rigid formation, which obviously when we come to the second half, they moved things around and, and they looked much better, didn't they? Where, so I thought it was a bit odd, you know, very similar to what Askey did last week playing 4-4-2. I would imagine that Jack Ross probably went in at half-time and said, yeah, I've probably not got this right here, lads, today. And obviously then changed it later on. So um, I don't know what he said after the game. But yeah, I mean, the way they came out was not helping them in the first half. And, and Town were trying to take advantage of it. But just, you know, as we'll get to the chances later on, it was uh, the same old story, wasn't it? A lack, lack of really clear-cut chances. And chances we had, absolutely no clinical ability whatsoever. No, exactly. And yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, I'll come on to our attacks in a second, yeah. but their attacks, probably the best effort was probably when them, their main striker, uh, Maja, did a cross back and Catamore blasted over and after he kind of saw me run yes. into the box. Um, so that was quite a good effort for them. Uh, but unfortunately, um, while we were the be- we were definitely had our better half in the first half, both of our chances came to waterfall, which, which is on reflection quite concerning really mm. um, kind of shows that you didn't really have that as good a half as maybe you know we kind of thought it was a, it's one of those halves where you kind of watch it and you're chatting at half time as well as it was with, with, with Pete Bryan and Naif kind of chatting at half time having a you know having another beer and having a chat and you thought that was a good half you know good attacking football blah 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 but then when you're cold light of day you come back and, and analyse it we didn't really we didn't really look like we were going to score again lack of quality in the final third kind of undone us so while it was nice pretty football we definitely had chances and you know with their space they were giving Worley um he he had load load of room and also room and also time for Manuel to yeah. push up so quite often we were uh, overloading him in the fullback areas and putting some good balls in the box and Worley while Worley was putting good balls into the box they weren't creating any chances no ang- angle like you know, he tried hard, and he. We we said at half time. I was talking to the lads. I was like, Angle's a decent number nine. Uh, it still boggles me that he would ever not get selected ahead of any of the other strikers at this football club. You watch the way he plays. Yeah. He is like getting towards being a bit like Carl Morris in terms of, particularly the first half. He was holding it up, taking a few touches, and bringing others into play. And yeah, I agree. You know, that's good. You'd like to see him in the box, like we used to say about Carl Morris last season. You'd want to see him getting in there, but. Why bother? He has absolutely no service. So you know, he might as well get involved in the game somewhere. Yeah, I think Wally put a couple of good crosses in him. Um, a couple of crosses went astray, but a couple of good ones. Nothing really came from Gillian's no, side. No, he's weak again. Um, so most of our threat came from kind of storming uh, Doherty. And Doherty was unlucky a few times. A few times, you know, their central defenders managed just to get a toe yes. on the end of it. And they just about managed to kind of stop us having a goal-scoring opportunity. Um, but in terms of our best chances, as I said, as I said, they came to Waterfall. Um, 
And so one of them was from a, a corner, yep. a Wally corner, where, he, um, where it's saved by the keeper. So that was good effort. And the next one was from a Wally free kick where Warfel kind of like, like touched it on um, and it hit the crossbar. Um, and they were, I'd say, our best two chances. Yeah, was that the one where he hit the crossbar and he was offside anyway? And Sadler missed it? Oh, no, that was a different one. No, yes, yes, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, no, no, it is that one. So basically, Waterfall hit the crossbar, and then, yeah, but Sadler was offside. So he turned around and saw the referee, I'm uh, sorry, the referee, the, the linesman had pulled for offside, and he <laughs> could tell <laughs> it was, was like, It was like on the line, offside. and he put it over the bar. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, knew, I know, guys, I know, oh, guys, that's why dear. I missed it. Oh, well, there and we I'll, go. I'll draw back. So, so yeah, so. That was the the first half. So some nice football at times. You know, a bit of press, bit of energy from Town. And when in nil nil, I would say probably on points, Town maybe just yeah, I think that. so. But uh, you know, I think your summary, Ollie, to come back to it was very good. I think that it's all. I I put a half time. I thought we were sort of back to our pretty but pretty ineffective football. So it looked really good again. You know, you can't yep. say they weren't trying really hard. The press was very impressive in that half. You know, they really closed Sunderland down. Sunderland liked to mess around with it at the back a little bit and play passes round to the keeper and we, we really tried to get in and break on that but and we were a bit unlucky. You see, Doxy was unlucky with a couple of things but, you know, at the end of the day, this, there is a very, very big disconnect between the nice football we play and the ability to put the bloody ball in the back of the net and it is, it is intensely frustrating because you kind of felt at half-time that we were going to play, you know, keep playing at that level, but Sunderland couldn't be worse. They were going to improve, and we've already missed the 45 minutes where we played well to take advantage of that. Very similar to Portsmouth game where we played lovely football, but it was nil-nil at halftime. And and at the end of the day, these are the issues that Askey's got, and he needs to figure out. You can't just keep sort of saying, "Well, we played nice. Uh, I think we competed. I've not seen anyone that hammered us all these times." Da 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 da, and win two games in 13. It just just doesn't wash anymore. And yeah, he's got to try and figure out. How you get that tactic? Because I think I was going to bring this up at the start, Ollie. I'll ask you the question: Do you think that that is our best tactic and our best team that we played from the start today, yesterday? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, definitely. if that's the best team we've got and is probably the best tactic we can play with the players we've got, and we don't score many goals, what do you do about that? You work really <laughs> hard on the training ground, um, and you, yeah, you just work on the training ground and you kind of maximise that effort and. And yeah, we'll come on to um, a few of these points actually. When we, uh, Mark Elliott did an interesting tweet mm. about some things he thinks the club need to work on. So hold that thought, Glenn. We'll come oh, it's back half time. To this. I was ready uh, to get stuck into um, it already. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No worries. So yeah. So second half, um, Tan came out, and I think it's fair to say, to summarise the whole half, we really failed to make any kind of inroads here. Yes, I think that's fair. Fair enough. Yeah. It was. It was much more. Um, Stilted, I think, would be a good description of it. Yeah, we we didn't really threaten going forward. Um, and to be fair to um, Sunderland, um, I'll tell you who I did quite like. I like Sunderland's assistant manager. He looks like a bit of a nutter, <laughs> but in a kind of like, um, in kind of like a positive, kind of intelligent, he's really focusing on the game. And he was shouting orders throughout the game. And obviously the players have a lot of respect for him because they were listening to him all the time. And yeah, he's seen quite, he's, they, they, in terms of like who, who won the kind of the dugout war, um, I definitely say that their manager was quite calm and, and just kind of watching the game. And obviously their management team were all on the same length because um, like the assistant manager was there barking orders a lot. I think he's assistant manager. Mm. Um, and then, that, then a few other coaches would come up and kind of bark a few orders occasionally as well. But the manager seemed very calm and, and quite composed, whereas assistant managers were doing kind of like the ordering and stuff. But yeah, it's quite interesting to see. And obviously it's interesting to be, see that kind of close, um, how, how that their kind of dynamic worked. And talking to their management team, so they made a substitution of 57 yeah. minutes. Um, which kind of really, really did change the game. Um, so it's quite funny. McCready came off 
Um, and obviously, McCready wasn't very happy with this because he exchanged a few managers with a, a few words with the manager. And without obviously knowing what he said, I think it's fair to say the manager told him he was a bit rubbish <laughs> and he could sod off. Um, I think that's maybe a fair way, a, a kind of polite way of putting it. So, so Honeyman came on um, and they kind of went for a bit of a weird formation. So they kind of, I thought at first they went for like a 4-2-3-1, but they kind of overloaded the left-hand side, our right. Um, so, they, so Honeyman... Um, and was kind of playing on that side as well. And they were kind of overloading that side, that kind of our right side. Um, and Honeyman kind of had license to go where he wanted. So obviously they were trying to create the overload and trying to create some Anders. But Honeyman, yeah, really did kind of um, change the game. And obviously Gooch had a big impact when he came on as well because he was contributed to the two assists. Yeah, it was it was noticeable straight away, wasn't it, when they changed it on 57 minutes. The, the, the dynamic of the game changed way more from what it was like in the first half. Yeah. Um, and, you know... it we just kind of thought, well, we played, I think Askey must have thought, well, we played well first half, you know, we'll see how this goes, but I'm not going to change anything yet or any personnel because they'd had a good go and we were, we were doing all right sort of thing. But um, yeah, prob- probably, you know, the goal came quite soon after it, didn't it? And that was then the prompting of, you know, us to start making changes down the line. So I, I don't blame Askey for not changing it straight away as soon as they changed their formation. That was, that was what they were going to do. No, um no. But we should give credit to their team, though, to their yep. management team. Fair play to yep. them. It didn't work first half. Made a couple of changes. Um, and, yeah, they kind of worked. And, yeah, it didn't take too long um, for them to kind of get a goal. So um, they made the change. So basically four minutes after Gooch came on, um, crossed the ball into the box. Beckles failed to clear. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of people talking about this online, mm. Glenn. Um, about if maybe if he was if it was a left-footed natural left back, he probably would have cleared of his left foot because it was in that position, um, and it probably would have just gone out for a throw in or a corner. Unfortunately, Beckles kind of got a little bit stuck under it, and I can't you can't tell from the video if it was a Beckles own goal or not, or if it hit their player. But their player didn't seem to celebrate too much, and all their players ran straight to the guy who crossed the ball. Yeah, um, and yeah, we were one 0 down. It looked like it hit his, his calf from from the. Right. Yeah, I think I think it did, but the video is not one hundred percent clear, so I can't say for definite. But the way they reacted, um, it's yeah, it's a Beckles own goal. But did you, did that. you not feel as soon as it went in, you were just like, that's just classic John Askey Shoesby Town. Yeah, you know, p- performance well first 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 half. Then there's your absolute gift, and probably you know the 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 catalyst for the entire game to have changed, and it goes Sunderland's way, and it's just like, why right, you know we we groundhog yeah day. We, we'd sort of start stopped avoiding the little gifts, hadn't we? That really sort of coloured that interesting first bit of the season where we were playing quite well but not getting any results. But you know, just read its head again on Saturday, and just reminded you of those weaknesses that are still there for us. And that's for me is the thing that it kind of winds winds me up a little bit. It's it's it's, a, it's an argument those in the ASCII count sometimes use that you know we don't concede that many goals, but most of the goals we conceded are gifts. Mm, yeah. So for me that that argument about that we haven't conceded many goals, yes, that is factually correct. We have not conceded many goals, but the goals that we have conceded, that virtually all of them have been gifts. Mm. Yeah, it's frustrating. And, and again, and again, this was another gift again today. I say, I say, the second goal for Sunderland was was a, a well worked goal from their there side. There was still a lot of mistakes but in the that, first, and we'll come to that in a minute. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot. Of, yeah, there was a lot of mistakes again. So yes, um, yes, we, we're not conceding loads of goals, but the ones that we are are quite painful to watch. And, and as you said, man, it just feels like we're repeating <laughs> what we're watching in front of us is the same. And and I'll say it now. This team only has one good half. Yeah, it was pretty obvious. You know, I can't. I can't. But it happens every time, doesn't it? Every game now, we're talking about one half. They seem to have one good half, and either they're not fit enough, or the mentality's not wrong, or something's going on. But something is something is wrong in this team when we only have one good half. Whether it's the first mm. half or the second half, 
Yeah, it just it's, it's never consistent for ninety minutes, is it? Um, and that and that is costing us. And you look at the game, the, the times we've conceded, it's been in those poorer halves, and it's cost us the game. And so, as I said before, for me, it negates all the, all the good play in you know over forty five minutes. It shows they can do it, but all it also shows is they can't do it for forty five minutes. Ollie, you're right. You know, people say, oh, we've got these good players, and we've seen them play good football. But they've not played football, good football for ninety minutes in many games, or effective football to get, as you say, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the, the passing game. You know, I absolutely love to watch Stanley play. You know, so much I probably even, you know, if they was a bit closer, I'd probably go and watch them a few times. Like I love the way they play football in League One. It's, it's something to mm. admire. But, it, but, but, but they beat Peterborough yesterday one yeah. 0 they get the ball in the back of the net and they score goals and they win points. Well, we talked about it the other week. They've got a striker that's got a decent goal scoring record in league football, something that we don't have. And and almost all the teams that come to us with a striker who scores goals at League One level or has even scored lots of goals at say League Two level, yeah. almost all of them beat us because they've just got that little bit of extra quality that we don't have. And Stanley, who have got no money at all, <laughs> they're fourth in the league with twenty six points. So fair play to Stanley. Yeah, they're going well this um, season. Yeah, fair play to them, and their fans must be having an absolute ride. Oh, one thing I did notice uh, was that um, at the end of the game, when I did look at the other results and saw Stanley had one as well, is that almost everybody below us drew or lost. So that was quite positive. <laughs> so yeah. it did, meant that we didn't yeah, drop down any it's further. It's a bit sad you're looking at that already. <laughs> it's a bit sad you're looking at that already. But I guess that just kind of well where we are. So in this um, in, in this kind of spell, we had our best chance yeah. of the game. Um, so this time we'd kind of changed the game up. Um, Wally got injured, unfortunately, so he had to come off. Um, we went to a three-five-two, um, which basically didn't no, really work. Um, I, I, it did f all in terms of kind of <laughs> effectiveness. Um, I don't know whether it was the tactics or formation, or just the team, or the players, or the manager, or what. I'm not really 100 sure. But the second half was really poor. Um, the only chance we really had was a kind of Norban did a cross from kind of central midfield, um, and Holloway yeah. tamely headed wide. Yeah, and then he had another one which he even more tamely headed at the straight of the goalkeeper. Yeah, he did. Tame did the head of the keeper. And then he had another one where he got into the box and he blasted it wide so much so that the Suns fans oh, started That was a pretty poor effort, that as well, to be fair. I mean, at least he got involved when he came on. But to me, you know, we're bringing him yeah. on to try and get us goals in a game against, you know, good teams when we're struggling. And he just you just remember what his goal-scoring record's like. He very, very rarely scores. Yeah. It's not like, well, we'll get... It's the same yeah, as the shot. Get the firepower well. off the bench. That'll that'll sort us out. But it's just it's yeah. just not good enough either, really, Holloway, in terms of gonna be a regular goal scorer. And as you say, we don't want to repeat too much, but when you're not scoring, you know, down the other end, you only need to concede one goal to lose the games. And so yeah, we don't need to concede that yeah. many game goal. You don't need to concede that many goals. Like you said before, people are saying that's a positive. It is a positive, but the point is it could be, you know, just one and we've lost the game because we very rarely get in trouble in the scoring sheet. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's frustrating, and then and then obviously, yeah, yep. you're right. You know, we'd we'd had a couple of half chances like we just described there, and I I started to feel like the more we because at one point there was like a corner and waterfall stayed up and was sort of out hanging around on the edge of the box and stuff, and we were being a little bit more progressive, I think, in terms of our attacking play, but obviously the change didn't really work, and it was giving Sunderland much more. Um, uh, space to attacks on the break, and you did feel like if yep. they were going to score, it was going to be a swift counter attack, and that's what that's what happened. I mean, the whole thing started with Beckles, who was, I'll be honest with you, pretty shocking on Saturday. And I, you know, I like the bloke, but I've said that about Beckles too many times this season. In all, in all honesty, now he's he's been poor in a lot of games, um, and just looks all at sea, and it just doesn't look fit towards the end of games either, which is odd. Um, he's not the only one, I don't think, but yeah, he had the ball in you know, fifteen yards outside their box. Um, all he had to do was play a simple pass to one of our players. There was a couple of options on, and he just fluffed it straight to them, and that was it. They went. They came at us like a dose of salts, didn't they? Yeah, it was. Um, 
it was it was a nice counterattack from Sunderland point of view. Um, so um, yeah, they kind of counterattacked counterattacked down the right flank. Um, they the player did a really nice cut back, um, and then it basically came to Onin. He, he kind of did a one-two, um, kind of just about got in front of Waterfall. Some people were saying the Waterfall bottled the tackle. Um, he didn't, he didn't get make to a tackle. It. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't get to it. Um, he came to their one of their players. He did a one-two, Neen, who who's, was in the box and then just kind of like a bit of a, a poacher's kind of natural finish, stroke into the back of the net. So nice for him. He got his first goal, 23-year-old lad who's um, started at Watford. Um, he went to Wealdstone for a bit and then he's played 100 games for Wicker Wanderers. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting. They played him up front. Um, he played, obviously, he played in midfield a lot for, uh, for Wickham. Um, so interesting to see him come on. And yes, um, the Sandland fans then came alive. Um, and they, at this point, while I was critical of them at the start of the, the pod, um, they didn't really, weren't really that impressed. I, you know, if a f- fans can be noisy, but I always give them a lot more respect. I always a lot more respect for a fan base if they're noisy, irrelevant of the score. Um, and it was 2-0 and then they obviously were starting to enjoy themselves. I mean, yeah, um, they, they, I, I saw a couple of times the first half, Ollie, where there was a little bit of angst in their in their fan base at their performance. There was a couple of misplaced passes that got sort of a sort of, you know, you get that angsty sort of cry from the crowd. Um, and to be fair, if I was a Sunderland fan, I would have expected to come here and, and hammer us. So when they would 1-0-0 at half time, you know, and during that first half, which was a struggle to watch for, at times for them, I can understand why they weren't exactly buzzing, but as soon as they got the first goal, they woke up, and the second goal, you know, they knew it was game over then, there was zero chance of us getting two goals, um, and, you know, they did exactly what I would have done in that situation, which was enjoy the sort of ongoing trip round League One party that they're having, so fair play to them. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm still, I'm still, I'd, I'd like to, it'll be interesting when we play Barnsley on Tuesday to compare those two teams together to see, you know, what's what, because um, you'd like to think that Sunderland should pretty much go up, you know, with the money they've got, and probably go up as champions. But I, you know, it'd be nice to compare them to Barnsley and see quite where both those teams are at, at the moment. Yep, no, definitely. There wasn't really much else to talk about, um, kind of um, from that. The rest of the half, the heart, the game, kind of just like, kind of like yeah. petered out. Um, and yeah, that kind of the game kind of ended. So before we kind of talk about like the time reaction, um, what was your kind of view of Sunderland overall? Uh, uh, quite, I, I thought when we were walking, we were walking out, me and, me and the lads, um, and also went out last night, we talked a lot about the town as well, and we were sort of thinking that they were a little bit like we were last season, so, you know, got got the got the tactics right when they needed to, like Hurst would find a way to find those wins, wouldn't he? They were pretty functional and hard to break down, um, they seemed solid, they seemed like a more uh, uh, solid team, they did a really flashy, pacey, skillful attacking team, maybe that's harsh based on the way that we played and the tactics of the game. But, you know, they look like the sort of team that'll just find the wins and the draws they need to get them right up into the top three this season. And I wouldn't expect them to be in this division next year. But, you know, there was a few things about their first half performance that they probably, you know, I suppose for Jack Ross, he knows he's got something to work on as a Sunderland manager. So I was quite impressed with them. But, you know, they had players like Lee Catamol and McGreedy and, you know, players that you've heard of when they were even in the Premiership days and coming through. And, and they didn't really stand out as, you know, a way massive class above League One, which is maybe a bit of an indictment on the way their careers have gone. Um, or how they played in this one game. Yeah, exactly. We're judging it on one game. But yeah, they didn't, they didn't, there was no one that really stood out to me. I mean, the guy up front, Madger, that everyone had told us about was shit are, he got subbed off. And, and you've got to give Waterfall and credit for the way they dealt with him. I thought they, they dealt with the problems he could have given them quite well. So yeah, I don't know. They, they, they got the job done. They looked a solid enough team. They'll be up there at the end of the season. And um, yeah, that, that was it really. My view from the one game really. 
Yeah, I think I think the fact that they're, they're as you alluded to, their fans are a bit frustrated. Yeah. Uh, their management team were quite frustrated. I think that showed they weren't playing at their best. Um, I think the, the manager did get quite a lot of kudos points for kind of playing players rather than reputations. So um, they the kind of played players that have been performing, and rather than just playing players who came back. But when Gooch came on, he kind of like changed the game for me. He was quite an impressive player. I quite liked him. Um, no, no one else really kind of stood out. Yeah. I quite like the mid, their mid-century midfield pairing. They got, they do quite a lot of, they got quite a lot of legs in them, and they cover the ground quite well. Catamore played a few delightful balls where you're like, "Where's that ball going? Oh, that's where it's mm. going. Oh, okay, that's a nice, nice, it's a Premier League kind of class pass. So fair play to him. So I think Catamore kind of stood out for me in terms of his some of his passing. He did a terrible tackle on Beckles, which was so unnecessary where he got booked. <laughs> I don't know why he did that. Yeah. He didn't need to do that at all. Um, so that was quite funny. But yeah, I think Sunderland will be up there and. I, I assume it'd be interesting when we when I'm going to go to the Sunderland game away. So it'd be interesting to see how they play at home then. So also we can make some comparisons then as well. Mm. So as we as we sort of finish off the game, you know, we, we they scored their second goal and they enjoyed it. You know, because we were sat in different bits of it. What was the atmosphere like around where you were when the second goal went in? It's really funny, and where where I was sitting. There isn't any atmosphere, um, <laughs> and there isn't really any. And I don't. I'm not just saying this to kind of um, to create. Um, um, I know, um, over exaggerate or do anything. Like, you know, I'm not trying to make, create you know gender influence like this. There was just no one really talking or making any noise. There was a few kind of groans a little bit, but everyone kind of just sits and watches the game in silence. Mm. Um, mm. So, but then there was not really a lot to talk about, especially second half from a salad perspective. So everyone was a bit frustrated. I heard a few, obviously going into the sovereign suite, and you can hear people t- chatting. No one was overawed um, by what they were, what we were seeing. No. Um, I had an interesting chat with a random guy in the toilet and you said, how do you think we're doing? And I was, <laughs> <laughs> just, just having a chat and he was you know, talking about how do you think we were doing and kind of gave, you know, gave him a, a bit of a nice kind of view on it. And then he paused for seconds and he's like, yep, you're right. Yeah, we're yeah. not doing very well. Oh dear. Well, because obviously you weren't in the West End this, this week. And so, but for me, it was, it was a couple of tenor things really um, about the end to that game and what people are thinking. Um, one, Jesus Christ! I know it's been a long time since I've seen that many people leave a game with five to six minutes to go. Oh man, because I took a photo for you, didn't I? I put it on yeah. the Salutcast accounts. The West Sand was like I think like maybe forty percent of the people had, had kind of left, especially from block sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, nineteen completely empty. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it was interesting because at the end there were boos from the West End, and I don't know whether it's from the rest of the sand because yeah, I couldn't I quite tell. It. But it was quite it was mooted boos, but I think it was only because most people had gone, in all honesty. Um and, you know, it does show you that we just lost two 0 to Sunderland and they've got booed off. So, you know, normally in the context of a season and the team we're playing and, and what we would have expected from that game, you probably wouldn't have got boos, but you know, that that's a reflection of the fact that the record is so poor this season. We just put in another terrible performance in the second half that essentially lost us the game. People are sick of seeing it. So I think it was more a reflection of where we're at as a football club with, with our manager rather than booze purely just for that result in my view I don't know if you think that's probably the same Ollie yeah no I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that um I'd agree with that I think um it was people that just kind of it was just kind of just felt like a bit like again Groundhog Day and though that's kind of kind of mirrored online uh, nothing really shifted um online I'd say it was, it was quite negative um in terms of the assessment of the game yeah uh, I mean overly impressed I think the only things I did see when I was looking on Twitter last night between pints was a, a bit of a reaction again to Askey and, and his attitude towards the fans and so I'm, I make no passing comment other than what I read on Twitter and I wasn't I, I couldn't see I mean I, I, I I'll, I'll get to the end of the game and sometimes I'll look up and think what's Askey doing and he's already gone so I'd very you're very yeah, he, he disappeared straight away and that was quite a lot of people were chatting about that obviously it wasn't too much to talk about in the game yeah. There was quite a lot of comments about Askey disappearing again. 
Uh, but but my my, second, my my first question is is obviously whether he did or didn't clap the fans for five seconds. It is starting to piss people off. In all honesty, um, whether pe- other people think that's valid or not, it is really annoying some people. So you know, I think fans want to feel appreciated. But I, can, I guess when but I their see- manager went out, didn't he? Their manager went out and clapped the they fans. They were loving it. Their fans, their fans really reacted to that. Yeah, yeah you can see why they're building the bond. Same thing that Ask uh, Hurst used to do. Anywho, but my, my main question was for, for just as I take you to take a step back now and sit there. I want to know what Ask was like on the touchline but not but more than that I want to know what Pilkington is like you know what what's their demeanour what's their sort of are they that active or because like they don't look it from when you're on the other side of the pitch but you know what's what's the vibe of what they were like during the game they weren't very active Askey was um, kind of silent for, mo- for a lot of the game a few calls and stuff if I did a comparison to the Sunderland bench the Sunderland bench was a lot more active um, a lot more proactive, um, particularly on set pieces and spotting things, telling players where to go, which is sometimes can be for me a negative because it's like, well, shouldn't the players be able to do that themselves? Yeah. But yeah, but in terms of um, in terms of um, in terms of the two, comparing the two management teams, Sunderland were a lot more proactive in terms of trying to influence the game. Pilkington didn't come up at all; didn't see him at all. Right. Um, um came up and was shouting a bit at certain points in the second half, um, and there was some kind of interaction trying with the players. Um, but I think Askey's more of a kind of, you know, he sets his stall out and he expects the players to kind of deliver okay. um, and kind of get on, which is quite similar to Hurst, I think, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, in terms of his on the side kind of um, demeanour. Yeah, we, yeah, as we always say, he never used to be in the dugout in the first half. So people yeah. people do forget that in the comparisons. But yeah, it's just interesting for you, for you to have had a view of what the sort of dynamic in that sort of uh, technical area was like on Saturday. Yeah. It, was, it was good to get a bit of feedback on that. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. So I think that, yeah, where where where, where are we up to now? You said Mark Elliott's got um, a good vibe on it. Yeah, so interesting, tw- few tweets kind of links together a few of the feeds that we've had. So he said a few simple things for him um, to improve, to coach Keynes and develop into a, into a proper left back. Because if you actually look at the squad now, you'd say there isn't really any left back in the team, which is quite poor recruitment yep. because Beckles isn't a left back and his confidence is going he down. He needs to get dropped. Sorry, I really yeah. hate to say it. Or playing central defence. Um, so he needs to be worked there. And then, yeah, get Beckles playing central defence. That is second point. Three, re-establish the press. You mentioned pressing in the first half. I think there was some a bit of pressing and a bit of... But we don't press as a team like we used to under Hurst. Um, Doherty helps. And that's the thing... Yeah, Doherty does help, and he kind of does that naturally as part of his own game. So yeah, then him and Lauren obviously got quite a bit more legs than Norburn. Um, so that's yeah, so I think we need to work on that. And then also um, an interesting point for him. So his fourth point was eliminate the indecision regarding when to play in the final ball. It it doesn't seem like we are um, that well. We're not that effective. We don't score many goals. Um, and it's not like we're missing chances, is it? You know, you're talking about Angle. You know, it's not like he's missing chances and everyone's going walking down the Otley Road going, bloody Angle, he's missed 10 chances again this week. When are we ever going to score? You don't, he isn't getting chances. So that's something we need to work on. We need to work on our effectiveness and decision-making and, and maybe have some set-piece attacks. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's frustrating. It's good. It's good. It's a good summary, except that four-point list could probably be a 40-point list. Because <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a whole lot of other issues as well. Because, yeah, because it's a lot of things yeah, he's mentioned there, which I didn't even put into my yeah, uh, exactly. analysis last week. So that's where we are. So um, so that's a kind of a bit of an overview of the game. So just to kind of close it out before we do the three-word and look at John, um, what, who's your kind of top three? 
Well, we just talked about him then, but Doherty was by far our best player in that game. He was certainly yeah. stood out head and shoulders in the first half above everyone for his drive and his determination. Um, he obviously looked like he had the bit between his teeth following the dropping. Um, obviously, he had a little bit of extra because there was those rumours about Sunderland wanting him in the summer um, and obviously came here. So maybe point to prove something might have happened with that move. It broke down quite late on, apparently. So I thought he was really good. Um, good energy, good passing. Um, drifted out of it a little bit in the second, like like, like everybody, I suppose, but um, was still probably one of the better players in the second half. So, yep, Doherty man of the match for me. Um, and second place, I went grand. Uh, um, he just was his usual self. I, I thought he was he was very committed and, and solid again. Um, his passing was a little bit off, uh, which was a bit of a problem at some points where he, he was a bit indecisive with his passing. But in general, you know, him and Doherty were probably the best thing about our team, the midfield solidity. Um, just Grant enabled the other two to go and press quite high up, which was good. Um, and he also covered the centre-backs as well, like he usually does, which was which was helpful for the team when we were defending. So yeah, Grant, Grant second. And then I went for... I was struggling with a third, really. I, I Because I was... I have to say, I was impressed with the two centre-backs on Saturday in terms of their general play and the way that they did help close Sunderland down, particularly in the first half. So I split, really. Could have given it to Waterfall or Sadler, but I just went Sadler because I, th- I think Waterfall was a bit cul- more culpable for the second goal. So I gave I gave Sadler um, the third place. OK, cool. So I went um, for Doherty, number one. He was by far the standout. He was actually came into the Sovereign Suite and um, spoke. And, um, yeah, he was asked some questions about how he performed and he really struggled. Um, he thought that we should have got a draw. And Askey said a similar thing. I think that he's just being polite there. Um, so I went for Doherty first, Grant second, Worley third. Didn't, couldn't, I really struggled. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying instead of a waterfall and Sadler didn't concede in the first half. But they weren't really threatened. Some of them were quite below par. I, I think I think it's fair to make that assumption. I, so I, I agree with you to a certain extent, Ollie. But I, I have to say it was very noticeable that they actually started coming out quite deep into the half to, to really shut down those those two yes, attacking they did players. Push at the line. And they and it was different to the way they played in the last few weeks, particularly when we played that four four two and they just were ridiculously deep. So it, But Glenn, it, you're doing you're but you're giving them a positive for doing something they should already do anyway. Well, it's it's just positive from last week, <laughs> isn't it? It's a step forward. So you've got to look at them somewhere. And and I just yeah, I, you know, I could I could have given the third place to Emmanuel, who I also thought was pretty good as well in terms of he played well at right back and he also played well in that wing-back role as well when he got a chance. So I could have given it to him. But, you know, the rest of them, you know, I, I, I'm i just I'm sick of Gilead. Sick of him just doing my head in every week. I just think he's a huge passenger. And I, I don't care how poor Faye might be out in the wing. He might not be poor. He looks like a decent player. I'd give him a go for a couple of games. I'm, I'm sick of Gilead. <laughs> there you go. I've said it. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so, um Yes, so three or match reports. It was just overwhelmingly negative, um, and it's funny. There was just like there was some five just in kind of one um, one kind of snapshot. So that was easy for me just to kind of screen print and cut and paste. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a bit lazy. So so Michael Gregg said he is boring. Um, Chris Brain saying can't score goals. Adrian Perk saying no quality passing. John Dunn writings on the wall, and Paul Downing same old dross. Which is quite ironic because that's quite a nice little summary. Yeah, it is. You know, it's 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 a depressing summary as well, Ollie. And then in terms of you know the fan reactions, it seems from because um, I've just been flicking through Twitter now as, as we talk, you know, sort of helps me get some points. It looks like a lot of people. There was a lot of comments from people last night saying, "Oh well, up to last week I was I was asking, but you know from today I've got I've, I'm not happy. I've moved." So it does seem that again, even though it was a two 0 loss to a team that we probably always were going to lose to, that it was again for some people the straw that broke the camel's back for them to say. I've had enough of John Askey now. So, yeah, in- interesting that... He, I didn't think that would have happened. I thought this was a bit of a free hit, but it, it isn't. It seems to be because of how the game went, the narrative went, that because it's the same old narrative and story in the game as well, that people are just like, well, it doesn't really matter who we play. The same thing keeps happening. So, 
yeah, frustration all round. Yeah, no, very, very frustrating. Mm. So, um, what did the big man have to say? Um, so, um, yeah, he said that the players gave it all. We completed with Sunderland and limited them to very few chances. That's true. Um, disappointed with the goals we gave away. A bit of a kick in the teeth. Final third, we need to find that bit of quality. Overall <laughs> pleased with how we performed. Yeah. And if the players work that hard, we're going to be okay. So, again, I think John's a little bit detached from reality. He's been, saying, um, he's been saying that thing about if we keep playing like this, it'll be fine. If we keep sticking to what we're doing, I know it'll come right. I mean, yeah, okay, I admire your optimism and, you know, stick to your guns and all that, but how sure of that it can he actually be? Because there's another game gone and it'll be another game gone on Tuesday if we get beat by Brent, uh, beat by Barnsley. You, you can't just keep saying that. You know, if, as we've said now, you know, we're taking the summary back. That's fine for him to say that. If he keeps sticking to his guns and we play that tactic and we play that formation and we do have these good halves and the slightly poorer, you know, worse halves, <clears throat> that's fine. But it's got to come right versus Oxford or Plymouth or... You know, one of those teams down the bottom is it FC Wimbledon. We got quite soon as well. Yeah, we have got Wimbledon, Oxford after playing Barnsley. If they don't, if it doesn't come right against those teams, he's screwed. He's absolutely screwed, and um, he'll have no excuses. He can't say things like that, and then because you know you'll be almost twenty games into the season, you can't. It's almost you know you're getting towards halfway at twenty, aren't you? You can't. You can't say it'll come right eventually because basically half the season will have almost have gone. So, um, I, I, yeah, I think I did read Mark Elliott put something along those lines actually saying. You know, it's it's not enough now just to say that we're playing a good football. It's about results, and I've been saying that for a few weeks, haven't I? And it was another weekend where we didn't get a result, so I'm not happy. No, it's just, as, as you know, my view is fairly well known. Yep. Um, where we stand, and yeah, it's just, again repeating some of the same old points. And um, we go into Tuesday night, um, and yeah, we'll um, let's just do the prediction then, Glenn, on that. First time ball that's crossed first time, that's finished first time by Mark Stallard. It's 3-1. So the predictions, Ollie. Um, yeah, Sunderland at home. We were we were maybe a little bit too negative for once, but we both got the result right, so that wasn't a shocker. But yeah, I went for us to lose 4-1, and you went for us to lose 3-0. Funnily enough, Ollie, I went in the week on the um, Salute Sunderland podcast and did an hour... You did? Yeah, talking to their guy. And at the end of it, he asked me for my prediction, and I said 2-0. So I got it right on his podcast, but I got it I got it got it wrong on this podcast, unfortunately. So yeah, a point each for us. I think I'm still ahead by seven. So ah, a bit unfortunate. So we've got two games this week, Ollie. We'll, we'll quickly talk about the the Barnsley game on Tuesday night, and then we'll move on to the predictions for the um, Oxford away game, which I can't make, unfortunately. But yeah, Barnsley on Tuesday night. Then it looks a very similar setup and a similar sort of challenge to what we what we sort of faced on Sunderland uh, on Saturday. To me, I feel like from reading through things and listening to a few other podcasts, Barnsley are potentially a better team. Yeah, it's Barnsley. Um, yeah, the D three D four podcast said last week that they think they're going to win the league. Wow. Okay. No. So yeah. Worry. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're both going on Tuesday night, aren't we? So we'll, we'll both be there. No, to... I'm not. Oh, you're not. Okay. I Where can't make you... it. No, I can't make it. I've got to go to Brussels for a negotiation. Oh. So um, I will be listening. Is it Brexit? <laughs> Oh, mate, don't get me started on Brexit. That's a horrendous topic. You do a better uh, job, Ollie. You whole, do a better job. The whole country is going to be absolutely effed if that happens. Oh, God. Um, so biscuit prices will be going up, Glenn. You'll be paying will, a lot more for your Jaffa Will a box cakes, of Jaffa Cakes sure. be down to nine Jaffa Cakes per box? Because if so, I'm, mate, I'll, I'll be outraged. I, well, I'd like to say something, but I'd probably maybe get in trouble. But <laughs> yeah, your price, prices are going up, Glenn. Oh, gosh. Prices are going up. Oh, dear. Oh, well, there we go. So, Enjoy Brussels. So, yeah, going to Brussels to meet a supplier to have a negotiation, um, so I can't go. So it'd be fascinating, obviously, to get your kind of views on this. Yeah, I'll be there. Um, so, predictions. So the prediction needs to be for Oxford game, as we always do. Yes. Um, what, we, what are you going for? You're winning. You're the, you've got the bragging rights. Well, 
I'm, it's, it's, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because we've all got we've got a round of fixtures on the Tuesday night, and we and Oxford will probably be playing as well. So it's tricky, kind of knowing what form they're going to be going into it. But they don't really have any form at the moment. They they losing and drawing most weeks, very similar to us, aren't they? They also don't score many goals, and they they concede quite a few. So it's probably one of the easiest games we've had for a few weeks. Um, and you'd like to think that we go there and put in a, a decent shift and and get a result. But I just think that. My narrative of this week will be that we'll lose to Barnsley, maybe not heavily, it'll probably be 2-1 or 2-0, 3-0. And then I think by the time we get to Oxford, the pressure on that game for both teams is immense. So it's not like Oxford are just going to roll over for us. They're going to be putting every single you know, 100% into it, straining every sinew. So if we went there and got a draw, it might not be, the, it'd be a bad result, but it might not be the worst. So I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw, Ollie. Okay, but cool. I don't think that ASCII would be getting any credit for going to Oxford and getting a 1-1 draw. No, so Oxford have got 10 points. Um, they're not doing very well this season. Um, actually, some teams that still, again, you know, Plymouth have only got 7 points from 14 games. That's half a point a game. That's horrendous. Um, so that's not good. We're at 0.63, and, yeah. aren't we? Which is also yeah, horrific. We're, we're doing horrendous as well. Um, so Oxford drew 0-0 with Bristol Rovers. And we know Bristol Rovers are a really poor team. Yeah. Um, I can see us bit of something a bit random happening here, Glenn. Um, I can see us winning. Yeah, I can. Uh, I think we're going to go for a one-nil win for Shrewsbury Town. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Uh, good. Good. Hopefully that's correct. I think that's all we can say on that one. But you I know. think I think it's always going to happen just to kind of prolong the agony of having John Ask as a manager. I don't know. I, I yeah. It, it it's so tricky now, isn't it, for him? It, it a lot of it will be depend on Tuesday night for that for their narrative for the rest of this week. Um, if you can avoid a hammering, it might, or, or even getting something positive from Barnsley, which I can't see. You know, a draw would just give them something positive to take into Oxford. But for all we know, we could lose three 0 to Barnsley, and Oxford could get a decent result on Tuesday night, and the narrative completely spins around. So it's always difficult predicting those ones with a game in the week. But I, I certainly hope you're right, um, and I certainly hope that one of us is right, and it isn't a loss because, geez, that. It'd be pretty difficult for the club to come out and try and paint that as any kind of rosy picture. Which, interestingly, they did. <laughs> they did do on Saturday. Did you see the club's Twitter account? Um, at the end of it, everyone was walking out dejected. We've lost again. We're having this terrible run. And they said a good performance, but Shrewsbury just didn't require get the required goals or something. Like that. I was like, come on, lads, just you know, a bit of honesty. Just a bit Jesus. of honesty. Yeah, yeah, it's nonsense. <laughs> there we go. So that that's it, really. Predictions done. Uh, yeah, who knows what this week's going to bring? It feels like quite a Quite an important week, Ollie. Yeah, been an important week. Been an interesting week from the context of the league. So, been interested for you to see Barnsley, see what they, what you think of them. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to get your view on that. And yeah, next Sunday we'll see where we are. See if we can, if we have any points. Um, you know, anything could happen. Um, but I suspect it will be the same. Yeah, that we've same old, same old. <laughs> we'll just do a very short podcast. Then. Um, one yeah. thing I was going to ask you is, are you going to Oxford, Ollie? I'm not 100% sure yet. Okay, I'm definitely not. And we were just going to say, because we've got a few logistical issues. I don't think I will. I don't think I'll be allowed because um, I'm away. I was away last week. I was at the football yesterday. Oh, you won't get permission. I'm going to NFL today. It's not about permission. (laughs) I think think I'll be locked out. Oh, yeah, you're going to to NFL this afternoon, which is why we're recording in the morning, aren't we? Yeah, so I'm going to NFL Saturday, and I'm going to NFL next Sunday as well. So yeah, so we should just say next week we we will be recording the podcast on the Monday night. So it'll be a day late, won't it, Ollie? Yeah, it will. So we'll need to get someone who went to the Oxford game. We'll find someone. I'll drag someone along. Yeah. Someone into the house. So yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Um, Cheers, guys. Thanks very we'll, much. We'll catch you next Monday.
Cool. Good pod. Good. Nice. Yeah, I think we've tried to not repeat ourselves too much and cover the game and, and no. new angles at it, which has been decent. So, yeah. That's yeah, I know. It's been a good, very good podcast, I think. It's good because I'm struggling like fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're sounding fine. <clears> I'm all right. I keep, I'm drinking a lot of orange as we go through. and My voice went a little yeah, bit for the first time at the end there. So, if we wrap it up now, it'll be fine at the end. But um, Probably fine. Maybe it's an Ollie dominated podcast. I have got a horrendous hangover. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> um, right. Oh, it's not coming across. So it's Good. Coming. I'll lead us into predictions and uh, we'll yep. finish off.